Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and I'm here along with Dr. Brian Goff. Hello, Brian. Hi, Sheila. And Dr. Angela Ismerian. Hello. And, you know, we are in a state where I think everybody could keep thinking about tools to ground themselves, to learn how to get a calmer interior, and especially how we can remember our humanity and our kindness and compassion during this um, coronavirus mm-hmm. outbreak. I, You know, what I'm struck by always is because I've been self-quarantining for probably mm, five to seven days, how grateful I am when I see human beings' faces again. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's very strange to me, like how important it is for me to have face-to-face communication. Mm -hmm. And I know FaceTime is great. Yes, it's fine. Zoom is fine. But this, where human beings are actually in your room, really speaks to me about the power of our of our presence, like mm-hmm. really being present mm-hmm. to human beings right now. So we decided we were going to talk about making sure we understood how we have these really difficult conversations with our kids and uh, teenagers about the importance of, of understanding why it's so, so incredibly crucial to self-quarantine and to social distance. And uh, Brian, you brought up such a good point that right now, a lot of kids, because the early news suggested that it didn't impact young people, are pretending that this is just another big, long spring break. Yeah. And it, and even some of the stuff that I've seen talks about it as an extended spring break. And of course, it's the week prior to. So it does. It's like, well, I don't go back to school until April 1st, so we're off. And <clears throat> when the schools are closing and the large public gatherings uh, have been banned and People have been asked to not go outside. The reason that they're not at school is because of social distancing. So it's difficult to say, well, since you're not going to school, why don't you all meet up at the mall or at a coffee shop or a house party? Yeah. Yeah. And and because, you know, the data was wrong, by the way, it was because not as many young people were dying, but there there were cases of people getting very, very sick in China and in yeah. Italy. It's just the death rate isn't as right. high. So people focused on deaths, but I think nobody wants to have scarred lung tissue, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm certainly, I'm not a medical uh, professional in terms of the, the, the contagion and, and, and all of that. But, and of course the data keeps changing as it seems like every other day. Yeah. Uh, we learn more, but the latest is that, that teens and kids have the same chance of becoming infected as adults right. and they just become carriers. So yeah. I think in terms of, uh, I have three teenagers who of course are social beings, uh, and want to be with each other desperately and definitely don't want to be stuck at home. It feels like they're being grounded or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get that. And, and of course here the three of us are too. So, I mean, we are going out, albeit not very often and only for what we deem to be necessary things. Uh, but I think, um, if my kids get it or if my kids are exposed to it, or even just if my kids are exposed to it, right. If, if, if the parent of one of their friends gets sick yeah, or if a coworker of a parent of one of their friends is sick, then it's like, okay, well, that's the parent's friend. That's the friend's parent and the friend and my kid and now me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now the both of you. 
Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I've stayed six feet away from you. <laughs> At least, actually, a lot more than we didn't even elbow no, bump this time. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, you know, I, I guess I'm being really cautious, and maybe because I've been really cautious, my daughter, who also has gone through a huge health crisis, mm-hmm. has taken it very seriously from the very beginning, which I've really loved. But I've felt for other parents who have young, healthy kids at home who've never experienced anything kind of on the magnitude of this, it is difficult to talk with them. Are you hearing from your, especially parents of kids, what this is like and and are they asking for help how to navigate this time? I think a lot of the parents that I've interacted with are, again, using it as an extended vacation, just not talking about it actually. And I think they should. I think it's This is the moment where you get to talk to your kids about how important it is to be part of a community, Mm -hmm. especially if that's important to you and how maybe you can help a neighbor by staying in or using all of the technology that we now have to connect with one another. But I think this is the moment to really talk to your kids, talk to your teenagers about what is important to you and what maybe are the values that you have and how they can put that into practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I I um I think it's there's this line between not wanting to scare the hell out of them mm-hmm. so that right. they become anxiety ridden and also kind of want to sh- wanting to shake a little bit of reality into them. Right. How do you do that deftly? <laughs> that is such a good well, you know, I I have continued to think about parallels uh but the, the the metaphor fits for like 48 hours and then the situation changes yeah. in terms of like what is a reasonable precaution. And so oh, I that really, is so true, Brian. I really don't know. Like I was thinking it's kind of like when there's snow on the ground. We live somewhere where there's occasionally snow or if you drive up to the mountain um, to go skiing or, or whatever, you're, you're on icy conditions. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is you slow down. You increase the distance between you and another car. Yeah. You make sure that you have... Uh, snow tires or chains, an all-wheel drive car, etc. You are cautious, but you don't perseverate on getting into a car accident and become paralyzed by your anxiety. I don't know how well that metaphor fits or will fit in another 48 hours or so. Yeah, you know? because there are days you just don't drive to the mountain. Sometimes you just don't go. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't go. And, and so I've been thinking, how do I, how do I talk to my... Now, of course, my kids are old enough that they're paying a little bit of attention to the news and they're talking to their friends about it. I I think probably filtering your own anxiety as you communicate to your children who particularly are younger, but Mm -hmm. even as teenagers, but certainly for younger kids, filtering your own anxiety and talking about it is we just don't want to get sick without necessarily maybe talking about fatalities and let's not kill grandma, right? Things like that. Yeah, exactly. I think we spare... I thought is we spare our kids from that sort of thing. Right. For sure. You know, so many parents might have their own yoga routine, their own mindfulness routine, and have never really shared it with the kids because why would kids have anxiety, right? <laughs> but I also looked at this as like this really great time to maybe invite them in to the practices that you use to calm yourself down. I have so many <laughs> in my house because yeah. I, I've tended to be anxious since having it really hit the fan a couple of times in my life. (laughs) And now knowing how to work with those, with that um, underlying fear or or nervousness or anxiety. And I keep thinking, maybe I should have 
taught everybody in my family these things. Mm. And so I had Deepak Chopra on the other morning. I listened to him. He has a free mindfulness 15 minutes and he, he's all directing around um, uh, COVID right now. Uh, things that you can be thinking, meditating about. And I said to my partner, you should listen to this. And he said, I don't fall for that crap. And I was like, why not? At this point <laughs> yeah. in life, like, why don't we all fall for whatever crap is there to kind of sustain us through this? Yeah. You know, like what's wrong with being open to a new way of getting calmer? Because I don't think our old ways of going out and partying or going into a crowded place and, you know, raving all night long are going to be accessible much longer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the hard part is a lot of people's coping strategies are being taken away in this moment, <laughs> you know, like right. socializing, I'm going to go grab a drink. Um, and so you have to kind of, it's a trial and error, trying out things that like maybe you've never done before and right. then seeing if it works, seeing if it gets you present, gets your anxiety managed, gets you to a place where you could still create your own somewhat normalcy, somewhat routine. Yeah. I will say that, I mean, this isn't a, I'm a fan of some of the stuff that Deepak Chopra does for sure. Uh, but this is maybe a time to say that not all of the mindfulness and uh, centering or grounding or calming sorts of things uh, have to be packaged the way they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people who are like, I'm not opposed to not being anxious. I just don't want to hang a rug on the wall and, <laughs> you know, ring a yeah. bell. And, That's how right? I feel about it. Hang Absolutely. crystals from my ceiling. And I, and I get that. And, and I don't think it has to be as mystical or one with the universe packaged. I Thank think there's you. a way to talk about it in a very sort of normalizing kind of, kind of way. Let's talk about it that way. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I think one of the things that comes to mind is, and this is maybe, I was thinking when your partner says, I don't, I don't fall for that or I don't need yeah. that. There is this, there is this idea of resilience. Uh, the concept of resilience is being reactive resilience. Like if you get knocked down, can you get back up? Mm -hmm. And proactive resilience is more like, how do I, how do I uh, position myself so that I'm less likely to get knocked down? Mm. Uh, so it is really like resilience practice or resilience development when you don't feel like you need it so that you don't feel like you need it. Like mm -hmm. how wonderful would it be that not only in terms of our building our own resilience, but also in terms of the the practices that we're doing with social distancing and hand washing. Wouldn't it be lovely if this is all overreaction? Yeah. That right? would be terrific. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like it would be terrific if in the end the apocalypse didn't come. Yeah. Um, so... I think a, a few of the things that come to mind are connecting with your body. I, I think that uh, people maybe uh, assume that being stuck at home means that you have to have uh, CNN or Fox or whatever you happen to watch on all the time. Mm -hmm. As opposed to uh, uh, maybe going for a walk with your dog. Being outside is not a terrible thing so long as you're not, you know, grabbing a bunch of playground equipment as you do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, just keep your hands to yourself. Or spitting High -fiving you everyone. hello, whoever you were on the waterfront. Ah! <laughs> but, you know, keep some distance from other people and keep your hands to yourself and go outside. At least okay. right now here, it's a beautiful day outside. Yeah. And, and under normal conditions, we would be celebrating the weather right now. Yeah. The weather is still the weather. And I think uh, one of the things that I've been talking to people about is that our systems as critters, we, we narrow our focus to the threat. 
we tend to only see the threat. Mm -hmm. um, there could be all kinds of stuff, let's say. There could be all kinds of little bugs or critters, let's say, in a room, but you don't see one until it moves. Why is our visual system so attuned? Our, our sensory or our peripheral vision is super attuned to movement. It's because if it moves, it might kill me, mm -hmm. right? We're super programmed to what might hurt me, what might be the threat. And so in this situation, our tendency is to spend all of our time focused on COVID-19, uh, to absorb as much news as we can, to turn on all of our notifications, to refresh the news apps. Um, when we talked to other people, it starts with, did you hear? Yeah. Um, there are all the other things that you care about that are important to you, that you enjoy. They are all still out there. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them are free and yeah. don't require close gatherings. So, you know, I'm thinking exercise, uh, cook, listen to music, mm -hmm. um, watch something funny, rent a movie. Uh, I understand that uh, some of the some of the the cable providers uh, have offered unlimited data for everyone for the next month. Oh my gosh, oh, that's, that's so wonderful! That. Wow, that's incredible. I wish they'd offer free internet for everyone as well. Yeah, because yeah, the libraries are closed now. Yeah, right. So um, worried about people who are already on the edge of their lives and then they've got the additional economic worry about, you know, making rent. And I just wish everybody could say, okay, my end of year donation is going to go to help that family that I know might be struggling. You know, like find one focused way of actually being benevolent and altruistic. I think that mm. we talked about it last week, how much yeah. that helps to yeah. just... Give, be selfless, try to get outside of yourself a bit, you know? Yeah, and they have organizations. I've, I'm seeing it across social media where you can just, like, if you don't have, if your kid, for example, eats at school and now schools are closed, there are different restaurants that are actually offering free meals for children. And so you just have to find them, which means having internet, which is totally. really hard. It's really hard. Um, and so if you know someone who's struggling, of course, offer services. I, even on the Nextdoor app, I have that on my phone. And that's the notifications that I actually think bring joy to me um, mm -hmm. are the ones that I'm not a risk population. But if you are and you can't leave, let me know and I will go grocery shopping for you. Yeah. I'll bring right. you food. Yeah, it's I love so wonderful. That. I loved Brian's very direct um, exercise. Let's be in our bodies. Let's see what our, let's check in with our, our, our like perspiration, our heart rate. Let's think about how we're breathing. Let's slow it on down. Not like we don't have time to do this now, folks. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other suggestions for people to really become more mindful about what level of panic they're operating at? I think for me, I... I, I do some mindfulness, so I'll toot that horn as well. Um, but I think my biggest thing is I tend to pause and really actually focus on my thoughts mm. um, and just check in to see where it's going. Yeah. Um, I think we might have talked about this last week as well, but I always ask myself, is this helpful for me? Mm -hmm. If it's not helpful, that's when I go, okay, what would be more helpful for me? What would be more helpful to focus on? Um, and then laying down my boundaries, whether that's with my friends, my partners, 
um, to me, that helps me kind of separate from all the outside stuff and then focus in on what I need to focus in on. Yeah, super smart. The boundary issue is huge right now with families on top of one another. My friend sent me a meme with a big mama pig and 14 piglets running around. <laughs> and it was like, that's how everybody who has little kids must feel yeah, right exactly. now. Yeah, exactly. And so you can set boundaries even with little kids, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think maintaining some routine, uh, some structure at home, yeah. That certainly helps. And and making sure that you take time for, like, you time. Mm-hmm. I want to say something about the mindfulness and the breathing because I think maybe it fits into that kind of, oh, I don't really buy into that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, category. <laughs> uh, and it might seem like right now going into, uh, like, a major war with a pea shooter mm-hmm. is to tell people to breathe. Like, it doesn't seem... <laughs> It doesn't seem like enough, but I'll they've tell you- got daisy cutters. COVID has daisy cutters, and we've got breath. Okay, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it it is it is amazing, and I do this too. How we can get ahead of ourselves? Mm-hmm. That we can get beyond. I was I was sitting at home uh, this morning uh, on my couch, and I had this sort of realization. Um, this is this is what quarantining would feel like. Mm-hmm. This is okay. Like, and I don't want to minimize the the economic impact for people and so forth, but just slowing it down and our minds have an amazing ability to imagine the worst case scenarios and uh, our minds go places that our bodies may not have to go. Mm. And, and uh, one of the things that happens for most folks when they're feeling anxious is their breathing becomes constricted, uh, mostly on the exhale. We often talk about people not being able to get a breath and it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like, no, no, inhaling is fine. Inhaling's not a problem. That will happen naturally. What happens is we don't, yeah, like yeah. exhale. And just notice if you take, if you're willing to do this, um, and it doesn't seem like something that you wouldn't buy into that, uh, <laughs> if you're willing to do it, just follow your breath. You don't mm-hmm. have to breathe a lot slower. Just notice your breathing and maybe just extend the exhale a little bit. And after 10 or 12 breaths, uh, your situation isn't any different. COVID-19 hasn't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nothing really is better, but we often feel a little bit more grounded. Yeah. We feel a little bit of like out of our minds and into our bodies. Yeah. And from there, it's a little easier to operate. In the places where I have been confronted with really scary situations, uh, both physically and emotionally scary situations, when I have slowed down enough to just breathe a bit, I feel more capable of responding from a place that isn't panicked. So um, I'm going to share what a, a horrible meditator I continue to be. If I focus or use an app that tells me how to breathe, I get so anxious. I get mm. so, because they're telling me when to breathe and I'm counting, wait, I'm doing it wrong. I'm breathing out at the wrong time. That's terrible. And so what happened for me was that I finally found one visualization that worked. I imagine my favorite Hawaiian flower, Plumeria, mm. and I sniff it in and then I breathe it out. And that is the only way that I learned how to breathe because Mm. I was overthinking the process of breathing. I was so 
intent on doing it right, on making and holding in my breath long enough, on exhaling long enough, on yeah. getting it right the next yeah. time. That's not the point. The point is just to focus on something long enough to have the exchange in your brain kind of go, oh, wait a minute, we're not running a racetrack right. anymore, yeah. right? Right. Well, there's a few things there. One of the things is those our minds are our minds are little devils, mm -hmm. and um, how we do anything is how we do everything. Yeah. And so, if you're really critical, and somebody teaches you, or you're anxious about doing something right, and somebody talks to you about mindfulness, then of course you're going to be critical and worried that you don't do that do right either. Yeah. Um, well, there we just <laughs> unmask the big curtain of Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Here and, I so, am. and so, of course, that would be just a thought that you notice as well, and. I would often talk to people about, you know, practicing being non-judgmental. And then yeah. when you notice that you suck at being non-judgmental, don't judge your judging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just notice your judging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, right. The other thing is if you, with, with the breathing, it, yeah, if you can't do the counting thing or yeah. don't like the visualization things, there are some apps where a circle will expand and then contract. It isn't so much about doing it right. Yeah. It's about noticing the air exchange coming in and out yeah, of your body exactly. and then just sort of blowing it out. One of the practices that a lot of uh, therapists recommend, I've done this with some people, is uh, emphasizing diaphragmatic breathing. Mm -hmm. Just if the, the easiest way to, to do this is if you put one hand on your stomach, one hand on your belly and one hand on your chest. And as you inhale, focus on um, filling up your belly so that lower hand extends and then when you exhale, emptying that belly so that this hand goes in. <laughs> this is totally what so stresses just, me out. So you just notice that hand going up and down. Yeah. Yeah, but when I inhale, my my diaphragm doesn't go out. It goes just the opposite. So we all have to find whatever technique it is where you can <laughs> yes. just calm down and breathe, right? Mm -hmm. Without thinking that there's a way to do this, yeah. right? <laughs> Try as many different ways as you can. And I will also say, I have a really good um, practice now of noticing when I'm starting to ramp up. And I notice on day three, four of, of self-quarantining, of just really doing a lot of social distancing, I was like cleaning out my closets. I was reading more. I was lying on the floor to do yoga stretches. I was very conscientious about not drinking too many glasses of wine. And then by day seven yesterday, I noticed that the nice menu I had set up went aside for grilled cheese and Fig Newtons. And <laughs> I cheated at Scrabble. And yeah. so cheated I was sort Scrabble. of like, I did. I, did. I misspelled Wednesday on purpose and um, tried to see if anybody else caught it. And they did not. And I got a triple score. Um, Boom. I think that this is what we have to accept that is going to happen to all of us during this mm -hmm. time as well. Have days where we're being really good and very mm -hmm. conscientious and very human and altruistic and days where this is going to be hard and we are not going to like who we are in, as part of it, you know? Exactly. And I felt like crap moment. taking that last Fig Newton. I <laughs> really did. I shouldn't have done it. You know, you're... This reminds me of uh, another thing that I wanted to make sure we touched on is I think with uncertainty also comes uh, a resistance to how we're feeling like, how do I say this? People being really anxious that they're anxious. 
anxious is sort of a baseline state for everybody right, right? Now, because yeah. there is sort of uncertainty now yeah. that isn't that isn't like carte blanche to to let the foot off the brake and slam on the pedal the gas pedal for anxiety it is more just like what if um we were we made a little bit more space for i notice my frustration about mm-hmm. the fact that the things that I wanted to do are now unavailable to me because they're being canceled. Yeah. What if I made a little bit more space for being disappointed in my fellow human beings as they fight each other over a roll of toilet mm-hmm. paper? <laughs> yeah. What if I found a little bit more space for this is not peaceful, happy time where I feel in control of things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. That's okay that we feel that way right now. Um, and then from that place of, I do feel unsettled, how do I want to show up in this? How do I want to show up for the people that I love? How do I want to show up for my kids? Not that they aren't people that I love. How do I want to, how do I, how do I want to present myself to myself and be kind to myself in this trying time? Yeah. As opposed it. to how do I manage all of this so that I stop feeling all of this? Yeah. Yeah, and I empathizing also, with yourself. Like, of course you're going to be anxious. Nobody knows what, like, we don't know what the state of the situation is right now. And so why not normalize that for yourself? Like, of course I'm frustrated. My plans got canceled. My birthday, my anniversary, whatever the plans are, got canceled. Of course. Mm. You know what I, I am noticing is that the people who have had trauma in their past have been a lot better at doing this than people who have always had a really easy ride. And I think it's because once you've had the rug pulled out from underneath you and you realize, oh, you know, the world is just a bunch of atoms and molecules bumping into each other. Some really disastrous things do happen sometimes. It's about how we cope. Then you, then the next time it happens, you're like, well, here it is again. And I'm relying on my, on my best self to get through this again. But there isn't this disastrous, go for the toilet paper, yeah. you know, <laughs> take every single bottle of Purell and then, you know, chalk it up to a $50,000 profit for myself. Like there is a way that you begin to understand like, oh, bad things do happen. It doesn't mean you're a bad person and we can't actually all respond kind of calmly about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I like to, in those moments, I like to focus on what do I have control over in this moment? Mm-hmm. Like, if that's taking a deep breath, that's what I do. If yeah. all I can do is focus on painting, that's what I do. Um, but yeah, when you are when you get that rug pulled out early on, you learn. Okay, let me focus on the pieces that I have control over. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a bad. It really is not a bad lesson. It no. isn't. Yeah. I think it's it's helped me be way more optimistic and actually grateful for the t- when times are going really well. And I, I believe deeply we're going to get through this. I think it, life will be changed and, and also that some extraordinary things might come out of it. A friend was telling me that uh, I think in the 1800s, it, a school was locked down and the kids had to be in their rooms for two months. And that was when Sir Isaac Newton came out and said, hey, I have a theory about something. You know, mm. so there's the uh, an idea that we might come up with extraordinarily creative and cool things during this time if we focus away from the panic and begin to focus on what's possible. 
Mm-hmm. I think this is where the mindfulness comes in. So mindfulness itself doesn't have to be the breathing. It's refocusing on whatever's in front of you, uh-huh. whatever you want to focus yeah. on. Yeah. And that's where that creative energy can go. So if you're not a breather, read the book that you've always wanted to read. <laughs> um, do the do the paint by numbers thing that you bought three yeah. months ago and never touched. Right. And so this is where your creative energy can go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking when you were talking about Sheila, when you were saying that uh, you've been through some things, uh, part of it is you've developed, you know, you said, well, I've got a, I've got a house full of uh, strategies for responding to my anxiety. Yeah. And you've also been stripped of the illusion of control. That's right. Um, and so there's a there's a degree of willingness and acceptance that you are not fighting reality um, as much as perhaps other folks who um, have had the I was going to say good fortune but maybe I should say the not yet unfortunate uh, situation of believing that things are in control. Yeah, the not yet unlucky. That's yeah. right. Yeah, this is you know sadly I think that this pandemic is probably going to make a lot of people who were in the category of not yet unlucky. In the category of unlucky. where we sit, and 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 it's not a bad place, honestly. It's incredibly hard, and it is so disastrous to go through it. But wow, on the other side, the insights and the deepening and the ability yeah. to actually witness the strength of your own human spirit is so incredible. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, went to went to a grocery store, uh, like a grocery outlet sort of thing, bought some supplies sanitized themselves nice and well and put together uh, care packages and delivered them to neighbors. And, oh. and it just feels to me like uh, this is a time that can uh, highlight some of the darker aspects of um, our humanity. And it can also highlight, uh, it's an opportunity to lean into your values. No it's doubt. an opportunity to like really to do some amazing things. And that's when we really see people step up and, um, yeah, and be inspiring. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm making the promise here. No more cheating at Scrabble. You know? <laughs> what letter did you leave out? I spelled it W-E-N-D-S. Oh. Wednesday. Wednesday. Instead of W. Because I could get a triple point on the W and the and the Y at the end. And so I was like. look at you. Which would be great if you actually had the letters to spell it the right way. But you're like, nah. Yeah. I want that triple Y. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> out of control right now. Right. <laughs> who knows what will happen. And here's what I've said to friends who were like, I don't know if I'm going to get to go to spring break. I'm like, really the best situation we can take is that every day we reassess and every day we do our best, you yeah, know, exactly. every day we reassess every day we do our best. And so for now, we're so happy to join you here. And thanks to our, um, our our sponsors, always Foundation for Excellence in Mental Health Care and Cedar Hills Hospital. We're so grateful for you guys. And I know everybody, especially who's working in the healthcare realm right now, has extraordinary um, pressures on them. So thanks again for the success of this show and for helping us through it. Absolutely.